Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 6, this morning. We pick back up in this part of, uh, of Luke, and remember over the past uh, couple of weeks, we've been uh, trying to remember some of the things that it's easy for us as believers to forget. As we get in the church and we kind of get around our, our group of people and uh, we kind of get into uh, to the routine of, uh, of church and everything, there are some things that in our hearts we just kind of just naturally forget. We forget what it was like before we knew Jesus Christ. We knew we forget what it was like to, uh, to be lost. And during this time, Jesus encounters some, um, some skirmishes with the Pharisees and Sadducees. And in those encounters, it helps them as we see them get to the point where they have forgotten these things for us to bring those things into uh, our attention, to bring those things back to our remembrance. And uh, we remember back a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the story of the paraplegic that was lowered down the roof and how Jesus spoke to him, and he said that your sins are forgiven. And everybody had the skirmish, and everybody was wondering what he was saying. And because no one believed that he had such authority, and we learned during that story that our greatest need that we have in our hearts and our life is that we need salvation. We need to have our sins forgiveness forgiven. And we could get so caught up in praying for and having concerns for our own physical needs and our own little problems with our money and our family and things like that. We just forget our greatest need is to receive salvation from our sins. And then we talked about the calling of, of Levi. And after he was called, he went with his fellow tax collectors and threw a dinner because he wanted them to meet Jesus too. And all the Pharisees crumbled, I mean, uh, uh, you know, grumbled and complained. Why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus told them that uh, he'd come to save not the sinners, but uh, I mean, not the, the righteous, but the lost because, well, people don't need doctors. And it reminded of our hearts is that Jesus came to save the lost. And we were reminded about all our friends and all of our neighbors and all our families who don't know Jesus and how important it is for us to get off our uh, routines and to forget all of just the nonsense of life and to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And then we heard that encounter with the Pharisees as they noticed Jesus not washing their cups before they eat. And we were reminded Jesus reminded us that Jesus had come not to just reform us, not just to correct us, but instead just to make us completely new, a new creation, and how he wants to just completely, totally change our hearts and change our lives. And many of us think in our hearts and our lives, well, you know, well, we're generally good people, but we just have some rough spots that need to be worked out. And Jesus letting us know we don't just have rough spots, but our hearts and our lives need to be made completely new. And that's what Jesus wants to do in our life. Now we come to encounter another encounter with, uh, with Jesus in these Sadducees, Jesus in these Pharisees, and the questions that they have. And the questions they have revolve around the Sabbath. And as I read these stories, this, as we read these uh, encounters this morning, we come to what is the thing that we mostly forget. And not it's something that we necessarily forget, but it's something that we as Christians, as hard as we try, we can't seem to avoid. And that is for our hearts to become cold 
to the needs of the people around us. How we get so stuck up in our legalism, in our traditions, in our ways of thinking, in our ways of living, that we forget to reach out to the needs of the people around us. So as I read these stories this morning, I want us to each and I, each and every one of us look inside our hearts and to see if it's just turned solid stone cold or our hearts still on fire, sensitive to the needs of the people around us. So let's read together in the book of Luke chapter six, beginning with verse number one. It says this, on a Sabbath while he was going through the, uh, going through the grain fields, his disciples uh, plucked and ate some of, the, some of the heads of grain, rubbing them with their hands. But some of the Pharisees says, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those uh, who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And also he gave it to those with him. And he said to them, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. And on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he was teaching and a man was there uh, whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to destroy it? And after he had looked around at all of them, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored, but they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord, this morning. Lord, and we just pray, Lord, dear, this morning, as we talk just for a few moments through these scriptures, Lord, you will just warm our cold hearts. Lord, that you will just get us out of concern for our legalism, that you will just get us out of our concern of our religiosity, that we take a look around and we see the hurt of the people. Lord, and we see the desire that you had to reach out to them and do what you could, Lord, to help them out. Lord, that even though we may not be able to do the healings that you could do for these people, Lord, our hearts can still be warmed to the needs of those people. And we can use the things that you have blessed us with to meet their needs. Lord, not let, do not let us be people who grow cold, but Lord, let us be continually on fire for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. These, story, these uh, two encounters both uh, happened on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was a point of contention that Jesus and the Pharisees had with one another. 
And it was almost to a point where Jesus was doing things deliberately on the Sabbath because he wanted to drive that point to the service. He wanted to expose their hardness of heart. He wants to expose their legalism. He wants to expose how much that they have actually lost the love of God and the love of Christ in their life. And I think that that's what Jesus wants to do for us in these scriptures this morning. He wants to expose in our hearts and our life what type of hardness, what type of coldness that we have developed towards the people around us. And I'm not just talking about the people in the church, and I'm not just talking about lost people. I'm just talking about everyone that we see around us that we just have a tendency to look at and look down on and just condemn and make all kind of judgments and all kind of accusations about it, but yet we don't lift a finger to do anything to help. We're so caught up in our religious legalism that we don't want to reach out and we don't want to help. We don't have any empathy. We don't have any sorrow for anything that there's going on in their life. And Jesus wants to draw our attention to the fact that we have actually grown cold. Look at these two stories. Now, here is Jesus and his disciples, and they're just walking through the grain fields, and it's on the, the Sabbath day, and as they walk through these grain fields, they're, they're hungry, you know, because it's, uh, it's time to eat, and, uh, you know, they're they, uh, not at the church, so they ain't having a, a covered dish afterwards, and so they're going through the grain fields, and they're hungry. And they want a snack. And so they reach down to the grain fields and they pick up some of the grain and they crush it there in their hands and they eat it. And all of a sudden, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and look and say, why are your disciples doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? What we need to understand about this is that it wasn't wrong for them to pick grain because in the uh, Old Testament law, uh, it said that, uh, you know, that you weren't supposed to, uh, 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 you know, till up all the ground, I mean, uh, to pick up all the grain and things that were on your field, but you were supposed to leave some uh, for those who are poor, and that if anyone was actually passing through their field, they could actually reach and they could grab some and they could eat it, but they couldn't put any in a bag and they couldn't use a sickle or a tool to, uh, to harvest it, but they were free to pick up some of this. But yet they did this on the Sabbath. And we know what the Scripture says about the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, uh, about how they were to remember the Sabbath and they were to, uh, to keep it holy. And they weren't supposed to do any work. And so the, all the scholars and all the Pharisees and all the teachers had took this principle of not doing any work. They decided in their hearts and their minds that they had to decide exactly what work was. And just like true lawyers... They came up with just volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of books about what you could and could not do on the Sabbath, what was considered work and what was not considered work. And as they looked at these the disciples, they looked at him and they looked and said, said, look, you're doing what's not lawful. You are working on the Sabbath. Notice the Pharisees weren't concerned about their hunger. They really weren't concerned about the needs of the disciples. They were just really worried about their laws and their rules and their restrictions. They weren't worried about people. They were worried about their processes. And so Jesus tells them a story. He says, well, you want to talk about some Scripture? Let's talk about some Scripture. 
Do you remember? He said back when, uh, when David was fleeing from, from Saul and they came to uh, the house of the priest and they asked the priest for bread. And uh, he said, well, all the bread that we got is the bread of, uh, of presence. And David said, I will take that. And I'm sure all of y'all remember this story from Samuel uh, last year because we talked about it. And Jesus wanted to point out some important things in this story. He wanted to point out is that David, David was someone they would recognize as having authority. They would recognize as someone in the scripture who did everything right. And so they gave the example of David. Well, you remember David, how in the scripture, when he actually needed food for his men to actually eat for him and himself and the people that were there with him, that he actually took what was actually forbidden for him to have and he ate it because there was a need. And so what Jesus was illustrating to them is that that actual need trumped the superficial law of the Sabbath. Because the Old Testament law wasn't there for them to serve, but it was there for their benefit. And then Jesus makes two statements he makes two statements, and one of these statements is not in this in the account of Luke or this story, but it's there in Matthew, and it's there in Mark chapter 2, telling this exact same story where Jesus says, Don't you know that the Sabbath was created for man and man for the Sabbath? He wanted them to think. He wanted to think them to think about why the law was there, why God created the Sabbath. And the first thing that he said is that the law, I mean, that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. And what he's saying in here is that the reason why God gave the people the Sabbath from the time of creation and even put it in the law was not for them to serve, not to put a burden on them, not to put a law on them, but he gave it for them as a benefit. And what was that benefit? And the benefit of the Sabbath was just like God set the example, it's for them to have a time of rest. And isn't it good to have a time of rest? You know, there's a difference between rest and sleep. You know, we think about sleep, and that's what we need. And we, when we think about rest, we think about sleep. Let me just go take a nap. Let me just go lay down for a little bit. Let me just go catch up on my sleep, and everything will be fine. But rest implies something different. Uh, rest implies a time of just sitting back and enjoying a time of there actually not being anything to do. Wouldn't y'all love to have a time of rest? Wouldn't it be good to have a time of rest, you know, because life and work is kind of like kudzu, isn't it? You just plant a little bit and you think you're going to keep it there in your garden, but what does that kudzu do, buddy? It just grows everywhere, doesn't it? It just takes over and it just starts choking everything around us. And that's the way uh, work is, is that we just work, work, work. And as more work as we do, the more work there is, it just seems that there's growing. You say, I'm just going to do this project and I'm going to be uh, finished. And you start that project and all of a sudden that project turns into more projects because when I start a project, I start breaking things. So now I only have to do the project. I got to fix the things that I break. And every time I finish that project, 
there's another project to do. And there's always more. And there's always more. And it's a never-ending cycle. So what God said for us, even in the time of creation, is that you need just a time to rest. You need a time just to sit back and relax and enjoy the fruit of your labor. And just for a moment of time to not do anything. And what do you do during this time of rest? But what did God do on his day of rest? Now, God wasn't tired. God wasn't tired, but he was setting an example for us. But he did do something that's imperative for us to do. When he took that day of rest, when he took that Sabbath, when he sat down for his time of rest, he looked over his creation and said it was good, and he enjoyed it. He did that whole week, and he made the expanses of space. He created the earth, the oceans, the land, the fish, the animals, the birds, the mosquitoes, though we don't know why. He created man, and he created woman. And then he just sat down, and he looked at all of it and said it was good. And he just enjoyed He just enjoyed the goodness of his creation. And that's what God intended for us in our times of rest, is that we actually enjoy the goodness of our labor. That she actually takes some time to sit there on the porch there in the rocking chair and just enjoy the things to which God has allowed you to have. Before you think about that more that you need to get or the the less of what you think that you don't have, but just to enjoy the things that God has blessed you with. But it wasn't just this time of resting to enjoy, but it was a time the rest is supposed to be a time of reflection. And what were we to reflect on? We were to reflect on the reality that everything that we have is given to us by God. Isn't it something just for us to remember? To sit back and to refocus. And to think that everything that we have is a gift to God. And it reminds us to be thankful. And it reminds us to give Him praise. And it reminds us to worship Him. And it reminds us to be generous. And it reminds us to always give glory to Him for what He's given us. And to reflect maybe on the greatest reality. And that is this, as much as I can... And as much as I strive for, I always have to remember what Job taught us. Naked I came from my father's womb, I mean my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What we have, we can't take with us. And so we reflect on the blessings of what God has given us, but also to reflect on how God would have us to be good stewards of it a good day of rest. The Sabbath, we were not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for us. And even all the laws, and even as they taught them throughout the Old Testament, they were given to us as good laws. They were given us for the purpose, not just for us to be enslaved to them, but they were given to us or given to them as a benefit 
to remind them of God, to remind them of their sin, to remind them of their need to salvation, to remind them of God's presence, to remind them of God's goodness. They existed for the purpose to serve us. But the Pharisees had made this great day of rest and turned it into a legalistic burden so intense that they didn't really care about the needs of the people around them. So he said, man was not created for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created for the man. But he also said this statement, which we see here in Luke. He says that the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So he reminds us back to why was David allowed to go Uh, Why would they say that David was allowed to go and eat the bread that wasn't lawful for them to eat? Well, what the Pharisees and what the scholars would say is because he was David. He was king. He was the anointed one of God. So he had the authority to him. So he could get, in a sense, above the law. He could, in a sense, make some exceptions. He could, in a sense, do things differently. And what God is saying or what Jesus is saying to, to those Pharisees and what Jesus is saying to those is, I want you to understand, you may think that David, David had some authority on the Sabbath. You may think that David had some authority over the law, but the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he's Lord. He can do whatever he wants to. And so if the Lord would grant for the disciples to eat on the Sabbath, so be it, because he is Lord. He is Lord of the heavens. He's Lord of the earth. He is Lord of creation. He has authority to forgive sins. He is Lord of all. But what we learn from the Son of Man is not only that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, but he is the Sabbath. I want us to think about, take us back to Hebrews that we read this morning. As he begins to explain there in Hebrews from, from Psalm 95, where it talks about today, if you hear the word of God, do not harden your heart as the people did in the wilderness. And because of their disobedience, they did not get to enter into that rest. And that's the verse that the, that the author of uh, Hebrews is wanting to expound on. And as he expounds on it there in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, he says, I want us to remember that there is a day, a day in the beginning of creation, where there was a day that God created to a rest, a rest from the work because that work was complete. But he says, yet, he talks here is that there is going to be a rest yet to enter into. He's saying that there was a rest back then, but yet now we're talking about this this future rest that's about to come. And a lot of people thought that that rest was the entering into the promised land. But we know that that the scripture says there in Hebrews in that verse is that Joshua didn't bring them into the rest because of their disobedience. And we know that the writer of Hebrews would say because here this book uh, that David wrote hundreds of years 
after uh, Joshua died. So obviously the rest wasn't back here. And obviously he says, David says, today I want you to enter into my rest. So obviously there is a day. And what is that day? That day is today. And so there is another day. There is another opportunity, he argues, for them and for us to enter into that rest. So what is that rest? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse number um, 7, uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 7, it says this. I mean, in verse number 10, it says, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work, as God did from him. He said, think about what Jesus did on the cross. He came down here and he died on the cross for our sins. And what did he say just before he died? He said, it was finished. And he arose from the dead and then he ascended into heaven and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And why did he go into heaven? And why did he sit down at the right hand of the throne of God? Because he was finished. Because it was finished. Because the work of salvation was already taken care of. And so he, he is the Sabbath. And it's through him that we receive rest from our work. The rest of what work? The rest of having to earn the work of trying to earn and maintain our salvation. That work was finished in Jesus Christ. So through Jesus Christ, we have rest. And every week, we remember Jesus Christ being our rest, as we, just like the disciples in the New Testament church, gather on the first day of the week, as John called it, the Lord's Day, and we celebrate that day of rest. We celebrate the fact that we rest from not just our physical labor, but we rest from the labor of our eternal salvation in the security that knowing that Jesus paid it all. And so we observe that day of rest and worship on Sunday, on the first day of the week, because Jesus is our Sabbath. And so you would think that that would end the problem. But then we go to this next story, where they go into the synagogue. They go to the synagogue on the Sabbath and so they walk into the synagogue in the Sabbath, and there is a man. There's a man who's pointing out, his, there's a man, there's a man with a withered hand. And they're looking at this man with a withered hand, and they're looking at Jesus comes in, and the Scripture says that they are looking to see if Jesus would do something about it so that they could accuse them. Do you have those people in your life that just like pointing out your flaws? Do you have those people in your life that like just to talk about all the things you've done wrong? 
Do you have those people that are just always looking for reasons to put you down? That's the way these Pharisees were. And you would just see to the point that they've gotten to, that here was a man with a withered hand. And walking into the synagogue, they knew he was there, but they didn't care about anything about him, about his infirmity, about his sickness, or about his struggle. He was just about to be a pawn in their game. How cold, how cold could their hearts be? And so they were just looking to see if Jesus was going to do something. And if they had actually had the nerve to heal him, they weren't worried about the fact that the man would have been healed. They weren't worried about the man and how great his life would be. They were just looking to use it as an opportunity to accuse Jesus. And Jesus knew their thoughts. Isn't that a scary verse of the Bible? That Jesus knows your thoughts. That he knows right now what you're thinking. A lot of us may know your actions, but none of us know what's deep inside your heart and what's in your thoughts. But God does. And right now he's searching, searching deep into your heart and he knows your thoughts. So what are your thoughts this morning? Are they like the disciples? And Jesus knew their thoughts and he responded to their thoughts. And he called the man up and he had him set before him. And he said to him this, he said, what uh, is it better to do on the Sabbath? Is it better to give life or to take life? Is it better to heal? Is it better to take life? Is it, is it good on the Sabbath that us to do good or is it to do evil? And here Jesus says something very important that we need to remember in our lives, and that is this. Our actions are not neutral. Notice there was A and B. There was you can either do good or you can do evil. You can heal or you can take, tear down. There wasn't a middle. There wasn't, I can either do good or I can do bad or I can do nothing. Nothing was not an option. Is that by your decision in each thing that you decide, you're either going to do good or you're going to do evil. You're either going to do what God has called you to do or you're going to not do what God's going to call you to do. You're either going to obey or you're either going to disobey. Our actions are not neutral. In every encounter we have somewhere in our life, we either do something to build them up or we do something to tear them down. We either do something to reach out to them or we just ignore them. God wants us to know that our actions, our actions have impact. And God wants us to see all the people that we encounter in our day, that God has sent us out to in some way to encourage, to some way to acknowledge, to some way to help, to some way tell about Jesus, to some way lift up. And we choose every day to either speak words of life are words of hate that we build up or we tear down. What is it that you're doing in your life? What did Jesus choose to do? He knew that he had the opportunity. He knew that he had the means to actually heal this person. And for him to just do nothing would to him be a sin. 
And so he said, I want you to stretch out your hand. And so he stretched out his hand, and all of a sudden, he was made whole. All of a sudden, he was made clean. All of a sudden, everything was great. All of a sudden, he was jumping up and down. And all of a sudden, man, he was rejoicing because Jesus reached out. How do we encounter the situations that we face in our life when we have the opportunity and we have the means to help someone and we don't do it, or are we doing it? Are we being obedient to God? But the Pharisees weren't rejoicing. The Pharisees weren't excited. But they looked at him, and this is what their response to the situation was. But they were filled with fury and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. Do you know those people? And I pray that we're not in our life, that when we see someone come to know Jesus Christ, we'll say, I know it's not real. And we'll start talking about all the bad things that they've done. Instead of rejoicing with them, we try to tear them down because our hearts are hard. When we see somebody get their life straight, do we rejoice with them or do we grumble? Can you just imagine how hard your heart would be to act like the Pharisees? What made their heart so hard? The heart got so hard when they started, stopped looking at a relationship with Jesus and started looking to their legalism. The heart started getting hard when they stopped forgetting about people and started thinking about rules and regulations. When we get our hearts get off track from a personal relationship with Jesus and we just start focusing on our routines of coming to church, saying hollow prayers, and just doing the routine. Instead of having a vibrant relationship with Jesus, our hearts start getting hard. When we get so caught up in religious programming and rules and traditions and lose sight of people and their needs, then our hearts start getting hard. What is the state of your heart this morning? Is it cold? Has it turned cold because of bitterness of the circumstances of your life around you? Has it turned cold because you replaced a vibrant, warm relationship with Jesus Christ with just plain legalism and religious practices? I pray this morning we'll all warm our hearts, that we'll allow God to speak to each and every one of us, that we'll allow Him to change us, that we'll allow him to mold us, but most importantly, that we'll allow him to open our eyes to the people around us and how he would use them and how he would use us to minister to their needs. Let our hearts not be hard. Let our hearts not be cold. Let us be warm. Let us be on fire. And let us always be moldable 
in the hands of the great potter, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the many things, Lord, that you blessed us with. Lord, we pray, Lord, this morning that you'll search each and every hour of our hearts. Lord, you know not only our actions, but Lord, you know our thoughts. And Lord, you know what's inside of us. And so, Lord, I pray we'll allow you to speak to us this morning. And if there's anyone here whose hearts are cold, Lord, that they'll be renewed this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing a hymn of invitation.